uh, verses 6 and 7, a very familiar uh, portion of Scripture to each and every one of us, but be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for how your word just absolutely becomes alive. This morning, Father God, uh, please meet us right where we are. Father God, you know what's going on in the hearts of those here that are prepared, that you have prepared to receive your word. Speak to our hearts, Father, and uh, we are open to you. Lord Jesus, these, these challenges, these anxiousnesses, these worries that we have in our life, Father God, you know right where we are. May we uh, that love you just seek you through these, Father, and may we just receive that promise, that peace that you have for us, the gift that you have for us, Father God. And uh, I do pray uh, for Steve this morning, Father God, speak through him. Give him your words, Father God, your power, your strength to speak to our hearts in your son's precious and in his awesome name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Tom and guys, gals. That was sweet. Time of worship. Good morning. Uh, today we're going to spend some time on a topic that gets to affect every single one of us each and every day. Uh, it's something that we get to deal with, that we have to deal with, and how we handle this subject greatly impacts our lives greatly impacts our lives if we can learn how to deal with this we can leave lives of peace and of joy and if not we're going to constantly be torn up inside constantly we can look forward to the days or we can dread the days we can rejoice in the moments we can agonize in the moments and this is something that, that we as a people spend billions of dollars billions of dollars every year trying to solve this issue we do whatever we can to solve this issue as a matter of fact we're so consumed we look everywhere for answers we're constantly seeking opinions constantly listening to everyone trying to find the key that'll kind of unlock this problem for us that'll set us free and this problem causes devastation in many lives matter of fact uh, it's estimated that about 40 million Americans will be uh, really uh, just devastated by this disease this year about 18 percent of the population of the United States and it affects uh, the way we act the way we live the choices we make it affects how we work how we raise our families how we make career choices how we spend how we save our resources we can choose to be controlled by this and it's worry anxiety anxiety you know, it's been around since the fall of mankind. Matter of fact, many believe even before the fall, just because of choice, there was anxiety. But Adam and Eve, they led the way in responding how we would. Uh, they took the typical response, and their response was to try and blame and to try and hide and to try and cover up as they were exposed. And when we're anxious, we feel exposed. We feel vulnerable, right? We feel kind of desperate to try and hide so we try everything we can for medication uh, including pharmaceuticals but not exclusively drugs anything we think that can give us control anything we think that'll give us peace anything we think that we can find the answer to we'll try but the source of true peace is is only one 
And I'm convinced until we turn to that source, we're only providing ourselves with fig leaves. We worry about things that'll never happen. We worry about things in the past that we can't change. We worry about what other people say, their criticism of us, true or untrue. We worry about our health, which only gets worse with worry. Uh, we, uh, we worry about people. We worry about circumstances. We worry about stuff, material things. Honestly, we're stressed out people living in a stressed out land. That's what we deal with in our society. And uh, there's this deception that everyone else has it all together. And everybody else is living peacefully but us, right? And it's this constant struggle. And we want answers. We want solutions. The story is, the, is told of this man who had this desire to deal with his worry. So he thought the answer was just to hire someone to worry for him. And so, you know, he, he put an ad on the internet and kind of got all kinds of different responses from people. And he did this interview process and he found the perfect guy to hire. And he went out and he hired this person to worry for him and he's going to pay him $200,000 a year just to worry for him. And so the man came and he accepted the job and the first question he asked of his new employer was, how are you going to come up with $200,000 a year to pay me? And the boss said, well, that's your worry. <laughs> that's your worry. You see, anxiety, worry violates God's word. It violates his, his plan for believers. It, it leads to this coveting and greed and stealing and hoarding. And ah, man, it can make us irritable and withdrawn and indifferent. We have this uncaring attitude. There's so many, so many cases and so many places we're led to. Anxiety, though, can be a great teacher because it forces us to deal with our fear. It forces us to struggle through an issue rather than just try and bury it and hide it. And so today, kind of right now, this is our chance. This is our chance. Every single one of us came here, and uh, we have this opportunity to kind of struggle through our issue today rather than just try and hide it and try and bury it. And, uh, and so I'm just asking you to ask God, what is the issue that's causing you to worry today? What is it? Maybe you can't even point to one thing. Maybe you're just having this generalized anxiety. So let's reason together through the word. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, the prophet says uh, in verse 10, Do not fear, I'm with you. Don't anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Father, we come to you this morning and I just pray. I pray that you would just... Uh, it just get me out of the way first of all and, and uh, my worries and my distractions and my weaknesses and God you just speak by the power of your spirit you overcome each and every one of us in our struggles and God I pray that you would just pierce through and that your spirit would just be like dynamite in, in our souls and in our minds and in our hearts and just explode in each one of our lives and teach us about you set us free from the struggles of this world I pray God that you would just move in each life I pray that you would just Meet us right where we are and give us exactly what we need to move forward knowing you. Thanks, God. You see, we often <clears throat> come and we tie anxiety and fear together. And uh, fear, 
of course, is this instinct that's really in every one of us. Uh, it, it really began when sin entered the world. It was the first emotion they really had. They were naked and afraid. And so they covered up. It was kind of a natural thing to try and hide. Uh, and it was a natural response, fear is, to this perceived threat, okay? We have fear when there's this perceived threat. Um, and we need certain fears in this world to survive, you know? If you're, uh, we're out cutting trees and, and you got the chainsaw going and maybe there's this fear to kind of grab the, the blade when the saw is going, Okay? That would be probably a rational fear because it might cause some damage to your hand. But there's also these irrational fears we have where, where we really don't have this object to fear. It's something that we don't need to fear. Um, you know, so maybe you're, you take the same chain and it's in the package where you buy it and you don't have to be afraid to grab it. It's not going to tear up your hand, probably. So there's, there's this kind of split between the things we're fear that are rational and irrational but as we start seeing things through God's perspective it's amazing how many things we can be set free from now anxiety or worry on the other hand doesn't necessarily have this this identifiable object that's present and powerful we can be anxious and it's not like there's something that's present and has power over you we might think it has power over us we may allow it to have power over us but it doesn't have power over us okay and, and anxiety is kind of beyond the normal care and concern of life. This word worry or anxiety in the Greek is the same word, but it's the opposite of peace. And in the New Testament, it, the, the, the word means to be disturbed. It means to be strangled, to be distraught, to be drawn in different directions, to be divided. So when you're anxious, when you're worried, you're, you're torn up inside. You're torn up inside. That's the picture. And we're commanded, do not worry. We're commanded, be anxious for nothing. Anxiety or worry is a choice. And it violates God's command for his children. We're drawn away from trusting him and surrendering to him. And it can lead to all kinds of physical symptoms. We see that played out in so many lives. It can lead to chest pain and sleeplessness and... And uh, it leads to headaches and shortness of breath. The, the adrenaline starts pumping and you have this rapid heart rate. There's just a myriad of symptoms that can come from this. There's emotional struggles. We become irritable, distracted. There's this tension. We can cry uncontrollably. There's paranoia that's involved. There's, there's uh, these really serious panic attacks or, or depression or addictions or, or really post-traumatic stress. And there's, there's so many things that come from this anxiety or worry. There's also many phobias. Billions of dollars are spent each year to try and deal with our stressed out world. Billions. And we have phobias that are named. Uh, they're, they're named the irrational fear of daylight. There's a phobia, fear of vegetables. Fear of sleep, a fear of writing, a fear of laughter. There's a fear of church and a fear of sermons. Irrational fear. Uh, there's a fear of throwing stuff out. There's a fear of work. There's actually a fear of chins, okay, chins. Uh, there's a fear of being rained on, a fear of itching, a fear of technology. There's a fear of teenagers. <laughs> Some of you are dealing with that. There's a fear of flutes. There's a fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth, okay? I mean, that's our society. That's where we live. And, and this can be kind of a heavy subject. There's a, there's a, there's, there's a lot that really a lot of us are walking through. And so I thought what I'd do to start is just kind of call in 
um, really a professional to lighten it up a little bit. And so uh, we're going to watch a little clip from Bob Newhart. Okay. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. You're uh, very delighted in the box. Yes, yes, that's me. Should I lay down? Oh, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that, that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance bill, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. This fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has has, has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No, no. But truly, thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house. Anything boxy. So what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, you're there. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. <laughs> so, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. <laughs> stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. stop. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. <laughs> so I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been, it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> just stop it. And he carries on in that 
skit if you want to watch it sometime and kind of at the end he ends up getting frustrated and gives her 10 words just stop it or I'm going to bury you alive in a box (laughs) (laughs) so it's uh, Bob Newhart's way and you know I, I watched that we've laughed about this at the staff and kind of struggled through this a lot of times through the years and and, and I don't want to minimize anxiety or worry. I don't want to minimize it. But what I've thought about is this. You know what? At times, we're on both sides of that desk. You know, at times, we just easily say, just stop it. I mean, what are you afraid of chins for, right? So we just say, stop it. And then at other times, we're on the other side of that desk, and we're so bound up with anxiety that we can't even function. And we would love to do anything just to stop it, but we don't know how. We just seem like we can't. And so there's that struggle that goes on. There's that tension that goes on. If you have your Bibles open to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and and Paul gives us uh, really the remedy. And it's so simple, and we hear it so often, and yet we struggle with this and spend billions and look in so many different places for the answer. Philippians chapter 4, and I didn't say it's easy, I said it's simple. 4.4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. That's like your considerate or gentle spirit. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And now when you read those things, when you hear these things, uh, you know, our, our first instinct often when we're going through anxiety or worry is, is to kind of blame the person or distrust the person who says it, right? It's like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand what I'm going through. If you really understood my problem, you wouldn't say, be anxious for nothing, okay? Now here's what we need to catch about the author, about Paul, is he's facing torture and death, Okay? Torture and death, that's his circumstance. Torture and death. He knows. So let's just kind of get that out of our mind that he doesn't understand, that he doesn't know what it's like to go through anxiety or worry. And maybe some of us are facing that torture and death. And even if you are, he gives us the answer of how to have peace. So Paul was going through it. Jesus in Matthew 6 and in Luke 12, we'll look at it a little bit, but he says, don't be anxious for your life. He says, don't be anxious for your money or your provision or your future you can't serve two masters there's a choice in whom you're choosing to serve and Jesus said it and you know what he knew he was going to be tortured he knew he was going to die he knew he was going to pay the price for a sin he did not commit he knew it that's his situation he said do not worry anxiety is a choice you can choose to serve that God It's a false God of anxiety or you can choose to surrender to the true God. We can choose to worry or choose to surrender. Verse 5, he says, the Lord is near. And I think if we get this in our mind and we start this whole process, we've got to realize that first first of all. If you know Christ as your Savior, you've got to just realize, as Jesus even said, in that day, you shall know that I'm in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. So you get this picture. We have this almighty, all-powerful God. He is overall. He is everywhere. He is in control. He's the ultimate. Jesus Christ is God, is in the Father. You as a believer are in 
Jesus Christ. And then Christ is in you in the form of the Spirit. We are surrounded by the all-powerful, all-knowing one who absolutely loves us and has great plans for us. That's our situation as believers. Now realize we might think that God is evil and he does evil things and he allows evil, but God is not evil. He does not do evil things. He allows evil for a season because he allows choice. He could stop evil and he will stop evil. But when he does, he's going to stop choice. The game's going to be over. All the pieces are going to go back in a box, as one author says, right? Ultimately, there's no one getting away with evil. No one. God's going to set everything right. And even now, all the evil that comes into our lives, God's using for ultimate good. And we can't see that, and we don't understand it, and it's horrible. But as it comes through Jesus into us as believers, we have Christ to help us deal with it. That's the mystery of the gospel, Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? There's this one true God, this great I am, this God who's above time. He, he's in the past, he's in the future, he knows. This God, that's who's in control, okay? He's not bound by time, he's all-powerful. So remember, that's who we're dealing with. The ultimate one, the creator, he's overall. This is the God. That's our situation. So get that in your mind, first of all. And then Paul goes on and he says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Now, he's not writing that we should not be concerned about anything. He's not saying that there's nothing we should care about. Okay? There's this kind of fine line almost between caring and being prepared for the future and being anxious and worried. And, and you know what? We know when we cross that line. We know it. Because we're torn up. All of a sudden we're controlled by this anxiety and this worry and we're consumed. It's proper for us to be concerned for other people. It's proper for us to care about our spouse and our kids. It's, it's, it's okay to care for those who are hurting. It's okay to be concerned for your future and your careers. And it's okay to be concerned for your health. But you see, we disconnect from God's goodness and his sovereignty when all of a sudden we move to this sin of worry. And all of a sudden we kind of move from this feeling of anxiety to being anxious. From being a little tense about what's going on to being controlled by worry. And we've moved now. We've moved. We've changed our gods. And rather than trusting the one true God... We in, who's in control, we start trusting ourselves. So this feeling of anxiety, this feeling of worry can really be God's gift of grace because it allows us to face our fears. It allows us to freely surrender to God and trust Him wherever He's leading. We have the freedom to, to choose to trust the one true God. One author writes it this way. He says, anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through your mind. And if encouraged... It cuts a channel into which all of our thoughts are drained. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He is the example in Luke chapter 12. Uh, he also used it in Matthew. But Luke 12, Matthew 6, those are places to go and land when you're struggling through these anxiety issues as well as this. In Luke chapter 12, he said, consider the ravens. This is Luke 12, uh, 21. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor they reap. They have no storeroom. They have no barn. Yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? 
And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? If then you cannot even do such a very little thing, why are you anxious about all these other matters? Consider the ravens. They're like among the smartest birds, which we usually don't think about because it's not like most of us want pet ravens. Uh, but, you know, they think about food a lot, and they're, they're smart. If they see another raven watching them, they'll fake like they're hiding their food in one place, and they'll put it in another place. And, and they're instinctively drawn to find food. It's kind of like the circle of life. Look for food, look for food. But they're not concerned about a significant worldwide food shortage. It's not on their list. Um, they're designed to be free, even though they don't know where their next meal is coming from, because God provides. You see, ravens are not pretty. As a matter of fact, they're pretty ugly, a lot of them. And in Europe, they're even seen as evil in disguise, right? But God takes care of them. Consider the ravens. Jesus goes on, he says, consider the lilies. Consider how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin, but I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. If God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he not clothe you, O you sons of little faith? And do not seek what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but my Father knows that you need these things. Seek his kingdom. These things will be added to you. The lilies, they're beautiful colors. There's a rich array of lilies. They have various shades and various fragrances, and they're... They represent all kinds of things in our society from purity to friendship to, to sympathy. You know, even, even like the picture at a funeral where you give lilies is, is like this picture of the, the departed one having a new innocence, okay? That's what the pictures, the flowers represent. And, and whether they get beautiful weather or they get storms, whether there's rain or sunshine, whether there's, there's this beauty of the day or there's frost and cold, God knows exactly what to bring for the lilies to grow. And he clothes them beautifully. See, creation is designed to rely on God to care for the practical details of life. Creation is designed to rely on God to care for the practical details of life. But we worry because, quite honestly, we don't think God can take care of the practical details of life. Yet if we focus on him... All of a sudden, we see this beauty. We see this peace. We focus on ourselves and our situations. We see worry. So I just want us to really, first of all, get that eh, let's just not try and bury our worry. Let's confront it, okay? Let's take it on head on. Uh, being controlled by worry just never helps. It's just simply not trusting God. So get that in your mind, this truth that the great I am, the great God is here, and put anxiety, worry right with sin. And, and I hate that. I hate that anxiety is sin. I hate that. It's like I just struggle with it at times, this sense of worry and this sense of dread, and I just hate that that could be sin, okay? That I'm supposed to put that right with, with lust and greed and covening and pride. But I tell you what, when I do that, it sets me free because we just admit to God and thank God that he died for that as well, that he set us free from that. Put it there, it sets you free. Don't be anxious. When you feel anxious, choose not to be. And we're going to see how, okay? But realize you're a child of the king. So what are we to be anxious about? Nothing, okay? What about? 
Nothing. And you know what that means in the original Greek language? Nothing. Okay? That's what it means. It means no one, nobody, nothing. So how do we overcome anxiety and worry? Paul gives us that in Philippians chapter 4. Instead, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We're going to unpack that. It's really simple. Instead of being anxious, pray to God. Martin Luther said, pray and let God worry. Okay? Talk to God. Talk to God. You may have to just get on your knees or get away or go spend some time by yourself. Take away all the distractions and talk to God. It's so simple. It's something we so often overlook. Pray. I mean, talk to God. We have access to the almighty God of the universe through Jesus Christ. Talk to him. And our world says, oh no, try everything else first, okay? Pay attention to yourself, take care of yourself, love yourself, try not to think about your problems. I'm telling you, think. But think about God. Think about God. Who is he? What does his word say? What is true? Talk to him, worship him, rejoice with him. Give him his worth. He's the ultimate one. Not you, not your problem, not another person. God is. Don't worry, pray. And he says, pray with supplication and thanksgiving. And it's really simple what that means. Supplication just means simply the sense of need. You know what it means? Help me. That's what it means. Talk to God and say, God, help me. Okay? I need you. It's like this sense of begging for something. It's like this humble, earnestly coming to God. And thanksgiving is like the idea of not just when you get an answer that you think is the right answer. The idea is like when you're in anxiety, thank God. And you know what? That's not automatic to thank God for anxiety, but do it. Challenge you to try it. Thank him when you give your request for whatever he chooses to do. Whatever it is. He knows. And if we knew what he knew, we would thank him right now right in the midst of our circumstances because he's good and he knows what's best and he knows the future and he is there and he knows the past and he is there and he's with us in the present. He knows. We don't. Thank him. Okay? Now it's like certain things that you kind of learn in life through struggles. Certain things that are these lessons that just shape us that comes through pain or struggles or tough times and, and you would never choose that pain. You would never choose that path. You would never choose that process, but you also would never change the result. God knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening in my life. And he knows that ultimately he's bringing about for his good, for our good, and for his glory. We see really dimly. We don't understand. We don't know everything he does. And if we did, we would trust him and praise him and thank him. Now just, just imagine if you're God. Now I know that's not a big stretch for most of us, okay? We think we're God. But just imagine if you were really, really God and you really had the power and the desire to do what was best for your kids. What was best for them? Would you do it? Sure. If you knew it was best for them, right? Even if it caused them some short-term pain. Even if they whined cried, thought you were horrible, you're so mean, you're a rotten parent. Even if they thought that, welcome to your circumstances. 
believer. Welcome. See, that's how God works in our lives. What are we to pray about? Just everything. Everything. James tells us you don't have because you do not ask. Our small requests and our big requests, bring them to God. Now just consider who this is. We're bringing these two. This is the one true God. So what is big to God? Nothing. They're all small to God. They're all small to God. That's why we're to pray about everything. Small, big to us. It's all small to God. Our view of our problems and thus the view of our worries is really dependent on our view of God. If we think about him as he truly is, we have a big God, we have really small worries, struggles, because our God's got it. We can choose to allow our feelings of anxiousness to not make us anxious, okay? Isaiah 61, the prophet says, the spirit of God, the master, is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the heartbroken, to announce freedom to all captives, to pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort those who mourn, to care for the needs of all those who mourn in Zion, to give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a languid spirit to rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. That's who we are as believers. Oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. So now catch this, right? The Lord is near. We can be anxious for nothing. We can pray about everything. We can be thankful and we receive peace. So often we don't want peace okay we think we need answers and results and changes and fix my world we receive peace and the kind of the Hebrews really captured that concept with with the term shalom it's like wholeness it's blessings and prosperity and well-being it's like calmness stillness being complete secure peace peace no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, shalom is what you're craving. You can have everything this world offers, everything. And without shalom, it's hollow. It doesn't satisfy. There's always something kind of missing. And we think we need all the answers. We think we need the results. We think we kind of need everything to be fixed. And, but what we need is shalom. We need peace. That's what we crave. That's what we're wired for. And it's kind of like this unspoken thing that we're all trying to, to get a hold of and we don't even consciously know it. We struggle through it. We feel empty when we don't have shalom. There's something wrong. We just can't define it. So we try and get more stuff, right? We try and fix our relationships. We try and control our future. We try and make ourselves secure. And, and we think somehow we should be able to overcome our worry if we just suck it up okay we should be able to overcome our anxiety but the only one who can meet that need for peace is the one who created the need peace shalom can't be produced it cannot be cultivated by any one of us it's beyond our ability to obtain it is it's beyond our ability to obtain it's beyond our understanding shalom is 
something that has to be experienced. And when we experience it, there's nothing like it. It's not this peace that's dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on anything external. It's not some fragile thing that's easily destroyed, right? This is God's peace. This is the peace that God himself enjoys. We can have that. Now, here's a pearl, okay? So catch this. Life is not about pursuing peace. It's a gift. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. When we pursue peace, we're just pursuing one of God's gifts rather than the giver. So we often kind of try and use God to get his gifts. We want him to solve our problems. We want him to take care of what we think we need. And we try and and please ourselves rather than just surrender to him. But peace is available to every single one of you right now. Every single one of us in this room right now, everyone who hears this voice, everyone who hears from God can have peace. It's through Jesus Christ. You want peace? You want shalom? Pursue God. Pursue him. Paul goes on and he says he'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and that picture is a, is a guard is like an army surrounding your city to protect you. That's what God does for us when we surrender to him. So as we just land this thing, just think about the one thing that's causing you anxiety, the one thing that's causing you worry. Because if we don't learn to deal with our anxiety, if we don't learn to deal with our worry, we will be controlled by it. We will be. And maybe it's just like this generalized thing, but listen, the great I am is here. And make the choice today to be anxious for nothing. Pray. Acknowledge your dependence on God. Talk to him. Thank him. He's God. Thank him for what he's going to do. It's not about trying to remove some bad thoughts. It's not a trying about making things that are really bad good. They're not. They're bad. They're bad. Don't try and make them seem good. They're bad. Paul's facing torture and death. And today I challenge you to get the power to overcome the facts of your situation with the truth of knowing the God who is over all situations. It just requires us to humble ourselves and come to him. The psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So I just encourage you to consider your anxiety, consider your worry compared to God's authority. Don't allow yourself to be controlled by worry rather than him. Wrestle with him before it. Wrestle with him with your problem. Give it to him. Cast your cares upon him. He'll set you free. And honestly, you can walk out of here in peace, maybe for the first time in months. Peace. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, we're destroying speculations. We're destroying every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We're ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. We're in a spiritual battle, but we're in the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, who's won. Eugene Peterson captures the Apostles Paul words this way. And he says, you stare and you stare at the obvious but you can't see the forest through the trees. If you're looking for a clear example of someone who's on Christ's side, why do you so quickly cut me out? Paul's saying. Why do you so quickly disregard what Paul is writing? 
Why do we so quickly say that can't be that simple? He goes on and he says, believe me, believe Paul. I'm quite sure of my standing with Christ. You may think I overstate my authority he gave me, but I'm not backing off. Every bit of my commitment is for the purpose of building you up, not tearing you down. The Apostle Paul knew the peace of God. He experienced it in the midst of torture and death. And he wants us to experience it in the midst of what we're going through. As Tom comes up, uh, I just want to pray for each of us. Father, you know the struggles that each and every one of us go through, and they're real, and they're tough. And they seem like there's no answer. They seem like there's nowhere to turn. They seem like we can't even get through a day, much less the next hour. And yet, God, we believe. We believe. We believe that you're God. We believe that you're here. We believe that we are in Christ and he is in us. We believe that you have control. And so we choose, Father, to be anxious for nothing. We choose instead to pray, to talk to you, to cry out to you. And Father, I just thank you for what you're going to do in every single one of our lives. And I pray that there's not a person in this room who does not walk out with your shalom, your blessing, your peace. Amen.